the, probably one of the most important pieces of advice that I was given, or practical piece of advice I was given as a kid, was my dad told me, he said, Eric, whatever you do, he said, I want you to make sure that you, that you uh, take it upon yourself to do some sort of exercise. And so that is something that I've taken to heart. I got into powerlifting a number of years ago. <laughs> I'm kidding. I got into running a number of years ago, and I've, I've run for years and years. And so what I do is I go up to the Y, and I see a lot of you all there, and I will... I'll get on the treadmill and I will run. Of course, it's air conditioned, which is great. And then I can watch, I can watch sports centers. I'm running, but I'll tell you what's a little bit depressing, and that is, is I'm running on a treadmill, and I get off of it after three and a half miles. This is what I've discovered. I haven't gone anywhere. You know, I mean, I just run in the exact same place, and I get off, and I think. I've done all this running, all this sweating, all this exertion, and yet I'm still in the same place. Now, I think in some senses there are a lot of us who feel the same way you know, about life. And there's just a lot of stuff about life, and we sweat, and we're running around trying to get our kids into get make sure that they get to school on time, trying to make sure that we get to our jobs on time, trying to make sure that we're able to put food on the table. And at the end of the day, we just sort of look around and we think, Man, I really haven't gone anywhere. I haven't done a lot. And so that can be a little bit depressing. Uh, I, I saw um, that probably one of the great questions of life that is asked is what is the purpose of my life? You know, what am I here for? John Hopkins University did a study and they asked 8,000 seniors. They said, what is the most important thing that you would like to discover in life or like to do in life? Now, you would think that most of them would have answered, I'd like to make a lot of money, like to find the right spouse, like to live in a big house, like to be a superstar. But the number one thing people said, 75% of the students responded that what they would like to know more than anything else or do more than anything else is find meaning, the meaning and the purpose of life. Now, that's why we're going through this series, Rock Theology. And the hope is that as we go through this series that we'll be able to take some some songs like we did today, Dust in the Wind, and be able to dig a little bit of theology out of them so we can find out, you know, maybe what is it that God's trying to say to us in life. Now, you might be thinking, well, from the title of the song, Dust in the Wind, and you know some of the lyrics, all we are is dust in the wind, you're probably thinking, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be one of those sermons that's really uplifting and cheery. You know, all we are is dust in the wind. Well, more than likely, it's not necessarily going to be all that cheery, but I do think, or my hope is, that as we look at not necessarily the song, but as we look at Scripture, is that we'll just sort of find out, you know, where we are in life. You know, what, what is it that we are here for? Are we just dust in the wind? And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the writer of Ecclesiastes, by the way, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, uh, you can go to the middle of your Bible and take sort of like a soft right, and you will run into the book of Ecclesiastes. It's Psalm, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is a really interesting book. The writer of Ecclesiastes starts off his book like this. Now, if you're trying to write a bestseller, and you're trying to encourage people and say, this is the way that I'm going to win friends and influence people, this is probably some advice about how not to start off a book. Here's what he says. Life is meaningless. Life is futile. Now, isn't that, wouldn't that be a great self-help book? I want that book right there. 
Now that's how he starts off the book of Ecclesiastes. And you have to be looking at that thinking, what in the world is this guy thinking right here? What's up with that? Now I don't think the author's goal was to try to absolutely depress people, but I believe his goal was to demonstrate to people that on our own, on our own walk by ourselves, we are a desperate people. And we are people who are in need of a touch from God. Or a touch at least from something. And so we're going to see that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And the guy who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, anybody know? Solomon. Man, you guys are sharp. That's right, I asked because I didn't know. So Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And his father was King David. Now Solomon was known as one of the wisest men to ever live. Uh, this section of scripture, Ecclesiastes, it is known as the wisdom section of the Bible. Now that's kind of cool. Now the depressing part, the wisdom section of the Bible, from written by one of the most the one of the wisest men to ever live, he says, "Your life is futile." All right, let's all go home now. All right, so verse number two, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Now that doesn't exactly generate a lot of confidence for us. Where we read that and say, man, I'm ready to charge the day. You know, I've got something to look forward to because life doesn't mean anything. Well, what he's pointing out, again, is that we as people, we are desperate. Now what are we desperate for? And I think that's sort of the purpose of, of today's lesson, is that Solomon demonstrates to us that we are desperate people and we are need and, and need, we're in need of someone coming along to pull us out of the mire and the sludge of life. So what is it we're desperate for? Well, first of all, I see this. I really believe this. Every person here is desperate for purpose. Every person here is desperate for their life to matter, to make a difference. Look with me in verse 1. He says, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility, everything is futile. What does a man gain for all his efforts? He labors under the sun. And if you go down to verse 5, it says the sun rises, the sun sets. Panting, it returns to its place where it rises. Disgusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind. And the wind returns in its cycles. Verse 6, by the way, is where we kind of got the idea for dust in the wind. Uh, verse 7, all the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. The streams are flowing to the place, and they flow there again. Everybody wants their life to matter. I mean, I think so. I mean, don't, you, don't you want your life to count? Don't you want to feel like, I am here, and there is something for me to do in this life. I'm not here by accident. I mean, there is a reason why I'm here. I, I really believe people want their lives to count. Uh, just sort of an example of this, I was watching television, which I watch too much of, and there was a show, and I watched the, I do have to admit, I watch shows that are not necessarily all that popular. I watched a show on the Guinness Book of World Records. I'm fascinated by this stuff. The person with the longest fingernails, does that just weird y'all out? Okay, so anyway, I just like that, that kind of stuff. There was a guy on the show, he's trying to get in to the record book, so they have a live show about it. He, here's what he's trying to achieve. He's trying to become the first, or the, the person who has cut the most cucumbers 
by throwing, by doing, throw, by throwing playing cards at them. I don't know if you, did y'all see that? It was mesmerizing. Okay, so there's all these long green cucumbers hanging up like on a clothesline. And this guy, you know, they got a clock over there. You ready? I'm ready. And they go. And so he gets these cards and he's sitting there, you know, flipping them out. And he's cutting the cucumbers. I mean, it's impressive. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. But what's he trying to do? He's trying to break the all-time record. Like, there is an all-time record for this. And so I look at that and I think, okay, that's, that's impressive. You know, that's pretty neat. Now, why do people do stuff like this? Well, there's actually a book called Getting Into Guinness. And I want to read to you. This guy had a pretty good line on this. He said the bottom line is that the book, the Guinness Book of World Records, it has a glorifying effect on all its holders, which is why people are so eager to get into it. I love this part. The book offers a venue for fame that would otherwise seem unattainable. Perhaps you can't be a professional quarterback, but maybe you can stuff 400 straws in your mouth. All right. So I look at that, and I think, okay, what is up with that? And here's what he wrote. He said, there are 7 billion people on earth, and you can be number one in something. Okay, now that's cool. Now, I might not be number one in many things in life, but I can stick more straws in my mouth than anybody else. So people have a desire for their lives to matter. Now, if you can stick 400 straws in your mouth, you're going to get in a book. But here's the deal. Does it really matter? I mean, is that something like when you die that you want people to say at your funeral? He was a pretty good guy. But let me tell you something about this guy. He could stick 400 straws in his mouth. It's not that big of a deal. Guys, here's the fact. We live and then we die, right? So why, why do we seek purpose in life? It's because of who made us. It's because God is our creator, and God has purpose for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. It tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. So, why do we seek after purpose? Because God made us to no purpose. And yet in our world today, we, we do everything we can to remove God from it. And so we are teaching our children that life is random. We teach them that in creation, that it was all one big accident. Now, can you see a problem here? When you say that life is random, when we are being taught that creation came about by accident, it is very difficult to say that my life matters. It's very difficult to say that my life has purpose and that my life has meaning. And so what do we do? Well, we see a lot of people going after a lot of different things in life, trying to say, well, i gotta, I got to find something where that shows that my life does count. King Solomon did this. As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, he tried to make his life count. He said, my life will matter. It will have purpose if I gain all the knowledge in the world. And he got, he got so much knowledge because one of the wisest men to ever live. And yet, what did he say about it? As you go through Ecclesiastes, you'll see a common refrain over and over again. He said, all this was futility. He's a guy that tried to find purpose in indulging himself in all the pleasures of life. You know, he was going to have a, a big party. Maybe that's going to give his life meaning. Matter of fact, as you read through the book, you'll discover he had over a thousand wives and concubines. I, that, does that seem like a recipe for happiness to any of y'all? So anyway, 
So a thousand wives and concubines. So what does he say at the end of this? He had it all. He said it's a chasing after the wind. Try to have more wealth than anybody else. We are told that he's one of the richest men who was living during his day. And even though he had all of those things, the Bible tells us, or he tells us from personal experience, he said, none of these things satisfy. What, now, why is it? Because he was trying to live his purpose, saying, the purpose of life is for me. And as you read through the Bible, that, that's not why God made us. God didn't make you to live only for you. God made you in order to live for his glory. He created us to live for him and not for ourselves. And so the question is, what is the purpose in your life? What is it you're going after and trying to achieve in your life? I read an interesting story on golf and the history of golf, and it was talking about there's a Scotsman who was familiar with the game, and he wanted to introduce President U.S. Grant in the late 1800s to the game of golf. And so they went out into, the, out into a field, and he had a golf ball, and he put it up on a tee, and he had his club, and President Grant's sitting there watching him, and he takes a big swing at it, and totally misses the ball, hits the, hits the dirt, and it goes flying up in the air, and he, and he kind of gets frustrated, and he swings at it like four more times, and he keeps missing the ball. And President Grant's never seen golf before, and he just sort of looked over at his aide, and he leaned over, and he said, this game has a lot of exercise. He said, but I failed to see the purpose of that ball. Now, in life, there are a lot of us who are the same way. We, we look at life, and we see the busyness of life, and we're flailing away at it. And then we come to the end of it, and we say, you know, life has a lot of exercise in it, but I fail to see the purpose of life. Well, that's where Solomon was. Solomon's focus was on himself. He did everything that he could to gear the direction of his life towards himself. And when he came to the end of himself, he said, it's all futile. Life is busy, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but I fail to see the purpose of it. You know, whenever we try to fill up our lives with the things of this world, you know, it's, it's like eating cotton candy. By the way, we have uh, Lake Carolina tonight, that will be the biggest line, I guarantee you, tonight at Lake Carolina. And I do not, I hate cotton candy. But anyway, you know, it's just, it's big, and it looks like it's going to be so filling, and you just shove it in your mouth, and what happens to it? It disappears. And that's what... This life is like. Shove all this stuff in our lives thinking it's going to fulfill us and it leaves us empty. The Bible says that. This life's temporary. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fade. It's temporary. But then it says, but the word of our God stands forever. You want to find purpose in your life, then you have to reach beyond yourself because you are temporary. You and I are temporary. And you have to begin to look towards a God who stands for all time and puts your life in his hands. So he said, we're, we're desperate. We are so desperate for purpose, to know what we're here for, but we're also desperate for eternity. Everybody here has a desire to live. Uh, verse number four said, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You know, when I was younger, I rarely ever thought about death. Never really thought a lot about dying. You know, you just, and, you do, and you, because of that, you end up doing stupid things. And you do stupid things thinking, well, I can't, I mean, I, you don't, nobody dies when they're a teenager. And so you just sort of live that way. Now, I'm happy to say, now that I've gotten older, I don't think that way anymore. And I don't think that way anymore because, you know, like when you're younger, you notice like everything works, like with your body. You know, I mean, nothing bothers you. You're never, I get sore now. 
And, and I mean, just, I mean, for, for, for no reason at all, I told you all a couple of weeks ago, I actually threw my back out because I turned left. And then just so weird stuff happens, and then you get older, y'all, and then you, and this is kind of weird, but as you get older, and especially if you're a guy, you start growing hair in places, like, you're like, what? You know, I mean, like, I, you have, I, I actually, I cut the hair in my ears now. And so you're like, this is weird. And so as I get older, you know, my body is beginning to age, and I'm beginning to understand I don't live forever. That's what King Solomon's saying here, verse 4. He says, a generation goes, and a generation comes. He's saying, realize, you don't live forever. And so you need to be thinking beyond just this life. And I think that's where so many of us get in trouble. We only think in the here and now. And Solomon's saying, think beyond this life. Because this life doesn't last forever. Now we try to do whatever we can to hang on to it. You know, we, we do all these exercises. We, you know, people eat this thing called paleo. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's like the same diet as cavemen. And I know that, that James, like, eats paleo, and I tell James, like, the average lifespan of a caveman was, like, 30. So it can't be that good for you. So, you know, but we do all these different things, trying to live longer, to prolong our lives, because we want it. Now, some people even go to the extreme. I was reading about cryonics. Have you all heard of that before? It's, you know, when they freeze your body. When you die, you have your body frozen, so hopefully they'll find a cure for the disease that killed you, so that later on they can unfreeze your body and give you the cure, and then you'll be able to live again. Craziness. But, you know, I, I don't think that's necessary. I, I don't believe the desire for that is bad because I believe God is the one who put our desire to live within us. Again, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has put eternity in their hearts. Now, unfortunately, when we chose to be disobedient to the leadership of God, it short-circuited everything that God had intended for us. And so the result is, you know, we sort of have this scratch that we can't quite itch. Or we have an itch that we can't quite scratch. There we go. Now, now, now what is that? Well, we want to live forever, but we can't quite attain it. We can't quite get there. The Bible says we're all destined for death. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die and then to face judgment. Solomon just wanted people, he just wants people to, he doesn't try, he's not trying to depress people, he just wants people to consider their eternities. Therefore, the wise thing to do is simply to figure out what's next. What's next now? The question is, do do you know the one who holds the what next part of life? There was a, a, a miner, a gold miner in Colorado years ago, and he died, and his family went to collect his belongings. They lived in the city, so they came out to the mountains of Colorado, and they got there. He lived in his shack, had an outhouse right next to his shack, and they went in there, and he had just gold mining equipment inside the house, had a three-legged table in the house, a couple of chairs, and a lamp, and that was like it. And so they walk in there, and they pick up some of that stuff. They, they, put, it in the, they put it in their car, and they, uh, and they drive off. And as they're driving off down the dirt driveway, one of his friends is walking towards them. And he said, did y'all get everything? And they said, yeah. He said, would, would you care if I look and maybe see if there's something that I could go in there and have for myself? They said, don't, don't worry, it's all yours. And they think, what's he going to get? And they, as they're driving off, he walks in and he sees a rug and he pulls the rug up. And there's a little latch on the floor. He pulls it up. And the guy's gold that he'd collected for 53 years was there. And he picked up that bag and he looks out the window and he sees the family driving off, and he thinks, man, they should have known him just a little bit better. 
When I saw that story, I thought, you know, I, I think that's true for us and God. You know, we sell ourselves so short with God, and God is saying, I think, I want you to know me better because I have so much more in store for you than you could ever dream. You see, and I, I believe that's why so many, so we, we are desperate for purpose, we are desperate for eternity, because, you know, we have that itch that we can't quite scratch. And God's saying, I, I'm here. And yet, so many times we ignore him, and we go after our own way. And so we are desperate for purpose, we're desperate for eternity. And that's the last one I see, we're also desperate to make a mark. We want to make a mark in life. In, in verse number 8 it says this, it says, all things are wearisome. It says, man is unable to speak, the eyes not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Can, can one say about anything, look, this is new. This has already existed in the ages before us. And this is the part I want you to focus on right here. It says, there is no memory of those who came before, and of those who will come after there will also be no memory among those who followed them. Now, as I said before, as, as we get older, we become more and more aware of our own mortality. And, and whenever that happens, I believe we, we start trying to figure out, you know, what, what, am I, what am I doing, you know, that really sort of has long-term effects? What am I doing that's showing that I'm making my mark? What is it that I can do in my life so that whenever I leave here that I've left my stamp, you know, that, that I was here? That I actually existed. You know, that I made a difference. And there's a lot of different things that we try to do to leave our mark. And some of them are really good things. I, I know that Bill and Melinda Gates, you know, and I know we can talk about politics and all that. We're not going to get into their politics. But they, they, they established this foundation to improve education and for better health care for people. And this foundation has a $38 billion endowment. Can you believe that? I mean, that is, uh, I, this, like, it's, it's hard to fathom. There's huge endowment. And what they're doing is they, they are saying, we want to leave something behind that's bigger than we are, that is, than, that is more than we are. But let me tell you something. If, if they are leaving that behind, thinking that will leave a permanent stamp in life, that they were here, they're going to be sorry, be disappointed. You know, some of us try to do the same things as well. We try to be good to people. We try to, to make more money and all these different things and, and, and reach out and maybe help out different causes thinking, I'm going to leave my stamp. And those, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But here's the deal. We live and then we die. Let's, let's what the Bible says about our lives. James 4.14 says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now there's one thing that's really striking to me in that verse, James 4.14. It compares our lives to smoke. Other versions say the fog or a vapor. Now if your life is like smoke, I mean just think about smoke. I mean it's something that you can see, you know it's sort of there, but then after just a little bit what happens to that smoke? You know, I, I can't I evaporate, I don't know what the word is, but it just, it just sort of, it disappears. And it doesn't leave a residue behind, it doesn't leave some sort of mark where you walk in and go, oh, I see that there was smoke here. Yeah, you know, that doesn't happen. 
It's just simply gone. And James says, that is what your life is like. And so if, if our life is like that, man, it is hard to leave a permanent mark when you're just simply saying your life is just simply like smoke. You know, if, if we are looking to do things, you know, maybe have a benevolence fund that are to, to try to help people with education, and those things are good things, but if you're saying I'm counting on these things, to make a lasting mark that will last forever to show that I was here, you're barking up the wrong tree. Why? Because life comes and life goes. I, I became very aware of this last year. Last year, one of my childhood friends died. And he was, a, 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 he was very smart, very successful businessman, a good-looking guy. All the time we were growing up, he was a very popular guy. Everybody wanted to be around him. And he died. When he died, there's this thing, I was reading, there's this thread, you know, those little memorials people have. And so there are people writing about it, talking about how much they're going to miss him and what a great influence on life he was to them. And, you know, it just went on and on. And then after a couple of days, I got to the bottom, as I, and I'd written on there too, but got to the bottom. And one of the guys I knew had written on there, he said, hey, well, I got everybody here. Anybody going to the game Saturday? I mean, it wasn't anything mean, but it, what struck me about that is it didn't take long for people to start moving on. And, you know, and I, I like to think, like, you know, when I die, y'all are going to weep forever. But, you know, here's what's going to happen. Life is simply going to go on. Now, you might be thinking, if this was supposed to be uplifting and encouraging and really get me all fired up, you've completely failed. Well, that was not the purpose for today. The purpose, my hope, is for us to think beyond now. And just think beyond, or to begin to think about what's next. You know, to think a little bit deeper than just simply the surface things of life. You know, in, in life, it's almost like that we are in the middle of an ocean where there's huge waves and we have no life preserver on and there ain't no way we're swimming to shore. Guys, that is life, and the only way we're going to survive is if we have somebody rescue us and throw a life preserver out to us. Who's our rescuer? It's not going to be success. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be anybody in this room. The only hope we have is the God of eternity, the God who has a plan for your life. Now, what is God's plan for our life? There's a lot of different things, you know, people are like, oh, does God plan for me to have this job or that job? In the bigger picture, here's what God desires of us, two things. God has called for us to love him and to love people. That's his purpose, love him and love people. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second's like it. Love the, your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, all of them, he said, hang on these two commandments. So what does that do? Well, well one thing that it does is it, it shows that you're being obedient to God. A part of loving God is being obedient to him. And as you are obedient to God, it demonstrates that you are his disciple. And if you are his disciple, that means you are part of the family of God. And if you are in the family of God, it means that God has an eternity for you. It means that, that your life isn't just consisted of what happens here. That this is just simply, this is the shortest part of your life right now. 
the longest part of your life will occur when you go to be with Him in heaven. So we love God by being obedient to Him and trusting Him. And we also love God, but we love people when we care for people like God's cared for us. You know, do you realize that whenever, whenever you are with other people and you share with them and just tell them and point them to the way to God, you understand their lives can be changed for an eternity? If their lives are changed for eternity, that is one thing that you can do that will make an indelible mark that will last forever. If their lives are touched by God and they are changed, they will be with God forever, and you have the opportunity to play a part in that. Now, I think that we're, both you and me, we're a lot of life. We want our lives to matter. We want our lives to count. I want my life to be more than dust in the wind. But the only way that's going to happen is if I make sure that Jesus is the main ingredient in my life. Is he the main ingredient in your life? Because, guys, we, we are desperate for purpose. We want to know why are we here. We are desperate to know that our lives count, that our lives have purpose. We are desperate to live forever. We are desperate to make a mark. The only way that will ever be fulfilled in your life is if you trust in the one who holds eternity. It's Jesus. Only Jesus can fulfill you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. I'm, I am not going to satisfy you. I'm not going to fulfill you. Jesus will. Has he, has he fulfilled you? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Thank you.